from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a busy weekend. Welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Hey, well, hey, everyone. I hope you're not having a busy weekend. It's me, D.D. Spitzer, and those voices you heard. That was David Heath and agreeing with him. Why, that was Gretchen Brooks. We're happy to hear from you and happy that you are hearing us here at PGTTC and People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, the only Cthulhu Mythos podcast that exists in the whole world. In my world. reality. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nor- normally, the voices I hear in my head argue with me. Yeah. But how are you doing this week? I am doing well. Good to hear. Good to hear. Anything new on the farm? Yes. Yeah, so you may hear the animals are all um, agitated. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, they forget that we live in northern Oregon, and it starts misting and raining, and then they blame the farmers. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> How's everything in your neck of the woods, not the farm, Gretchen? Um, good. I'm recovering from um, a fall this week on my walk, but I'm, I just have a very mild shiner. Okay. And Sorry some, to hear that. yeah, it's dumb. I was walking, and the it was a really steep downward descent and gravel, and then I just tripped over my feet, and then couldn't stop myself, and busted my glass sunglasses, <clears throat> fell on my like left side, and I'm like, uh, basically, my left side is a bruise, including my face. I've done but, that before. <laughs> it's dumb, man. It makes you feel really dumb. I mean, I just had a birthday last week, so it's like, oh, what a great week. Let's round it out with a fall. Oh, yeah. No, I've done that running. I've done that walking. I've done that skateboarding. I've done that mountain biking. <laughs> but, yeah, no. I just everyone, I don't like to fall. Like announcement. Yeah. Stay away from gravel, everyone. Public service announcement. You yeah, don't like no to fall, kidding. I hear. So, so quite <laughs> really, the news a couple of weeks ago was explaining how September is anti-fall month. Uh-huh. And I thought, what do they have against autumn? 
Oh. And it turned out, no, it was gotcha. people falling in the bathroom. But they were talking about anti-fall gotcha. month, and I really thought that they were campaigning against autumn. Yeah. For yeah. like a second or two. I guess that's... Uh, that's wait, wait, that's, wait. I have a new... What? September is anti-fall month? Yes. That's hilarious. Yes, it is. How I mean, ironic. yes, it is anti-fall month. Not that it's hilarious that you fell. No, no, hey, no. Hey, Dave. There's something so comical about that. <laughs> what's what's OSHA's least favorite season? What? Fall. Fall. Oh. <laughs> Workplace safety's no accident, everyone. <laughs> no. <laughs> Watch out for gravel, road. folks. Yeah. Yep, watch out for <laughs> gravel. So, uh, let's see. We're not talking about gravel today. I'm, like, thinking about if we've got gravel in any way going on. But, no, just my gravelly voice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, today we're talking about uh, the middle part will be about Edgar Allan Poe part two. The first part, we've got some uh, Stygian Sorcerer, and the last part, we've got uh, my nemesis, Sunshine. So <laughs> let's let's uh, let's hop into the show. All yeah, right. how's how's uh, how's uh, yeah? I guess I guess uh, how's how how are things with me? Nothing terribly exciting. Just been three D printing up ray guns and beetles and goofy stuff like that i went to a show at escape the bar uh and grill uh off of like 82nd and sandy i want to say how was that uh, over by the grotto it was awesome it was really fun it was for the unicorn bazaar uh hosted by theo moonstar and uh auntie guts so uh auntie gore my brain anyway so that was a lot of fun uh i sold a ray gun and some dragons and some pokemon crafts and it was really fun fun. yeah that place is really really close to my my house ah cool you should check it out next time good deal good deal i think i was busy doing Uh, um that Godzilla thing, so I didn't get a chance to um, go check out the fair. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I'm sorry that I missed it because it sounds really rad. No. Yeah, check it out next month. I'm going to be there next month. And oh, right on, next right on. Next month is going to be spooky drag. So yeah. Oh. <laughs> we gotta go, David. I know. I, we I know. should. All right. Uh, and and also, I've been uh, gathering up. All of my busted up uh, miniatures, my 28 millimeter figurines from the past 30 years, and uh, gonna do some kit bashing for some uh, war game miniatures. So that's oh, nice. super fun to do. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, folks, uh, well, just pay no mind. <laughs> but if you do know what I'm talking about, I'm going to do some kit bashing for Warhammer 40k for Turnip 28 and just some good old fashioned Napoleonic uh, just miniature wargaming. But yeah, so that's what I'm putting together right now because I don't have enough things to do. Well, good, <laughs> because if you, 
if you don't have things to do, you might like take over the world. I know, I know. All right, so the the dogs nearby are barking. Speaking of taking over the world, we're taking over Comic Con on Sunday, right? (laughs) Yes, we are. We will be taking over Comic Con. At uh, Portland, Oregon, Rose City Comic Con. Uh, look for us at the uh, convention center, I believe it is, on Martin Luther King Boulevard. In, uh, yes, yeah. it is. Though, because of the gift of time traveling, we already have, will have taken over. Oh, yes. and it was that. incredibly successful. Ta da! <laughs> We laughed, we cried, it became part of us. <laughs> yeah. it was, we it was saw amazing. everything. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about some, what do you call it? Uh, Thothamon? Uh, sounds yes. like a metal band, but also sounds like a Stygian sorcerer. This is the uh, only character that I actually know of, you guys, ooh, <laughs> from this whole this pretty Conan-verse. Cool. Well, cool. All right. Well, I'll let, I'll, I don't know, Gretchen, do you want to start us off? What yeah. do you know about Thothamon? Well, I do know that in Conan the Destroyer, he is yeah. a very small character, but he has a mirror maze monster that he has to defeat. Yeah. But he also kidnaps the princess beforehand. What a jerk. Well, that's totally a jerk move. But the right? mirror maze thing's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's funny because I re- did realize that was um, Toth of Mod until I was I was watching this with my husband the other day. And I, we, I went, wait, 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 wait. Did they say his name was Toth of Mod? <laughs> I yeah. was like, I'm doing a show episode about this. So there's my, that's my two cents of knowledge. Ta-da! Oh. All right. Dave, <laughs> what, what, what do you got about Toth of Mod? Well, Thothamon, so. However you say it. Yeah, I I think it's Thoth Amon, but okay, I always cool. mispronounce things. Sure. So, um, when Robert E. Howard created him, at least in the Robert E. Howard stories, yeah, he never meets Conan. They never okay. come up face to face. Oh no, he, really? He, he's like this man. So he Thoth Amon says things, and he appears in what it was the first printed Conan story The Phoenix and the Sword uh, and he's mentioned in a couple others but he's kind of like the chess master he moves things around that affect Conan's life and Conan does something that affects his life but at least in the Robert E. Howard stories they never meet. Now they do come when uh uh, Sprague the Camp and Lynn Carter stories, they do, and they come in contact in the Marvel comics. But in the original that stories, they never they never meet each other. So why okay. do you think they chose him for um, chose him to be one of the characters for um, Conan the Destroyer? You want to know the something? What I've never cool. seen that movie. What? I've never seen that movie. <gasps> what? Yes. I'm shocked. I if you you could duck me over with a feather, I'm shocked. I mean, seriously, I'm shocked. Cause I, I am I, I am as well. I am as well. Sir. I, I figured this is something that you'd been like, Oh yeah, no, I have this on laser disc or something like that. Right? I mean, Same. 
Yeah. yeah. I you like had you knew all the secret knowledge of like the movie. No, I I I have. I have all the Robert E. Howard stories, but sure, I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not an anti-movie person. But my yeah. my my knowledge on on Conan focuses mainly on the short stories and uh, uh, the the Marvel comics. Yeah, yeah, and and from what I can understand, I don't have anything up in front of me right now because I'm having computer problems. I, if I remember correctly this is a story that people have written um this is this is one of the stories that's based off of something or huh there is a particular robert e howard conan story that people have written stuff about before and after that mentions thothamon and then people have written stuff about thothamon since that book almost kind of like uh lovecraft writing about or the Necronomicon mm. and then it appearing in someone else's work kind of stuff. But um, I could be wrong on that. So, so definitely. Sure. So, <laughs> and, and, and I will say, though, I will say a, a, a Conan movie fact. Yes. The bad guy, Thusla Doom. Mm-hmm. Not a Conan character. No, Thusla Doom isn't. You're right. King Cole. Yeah, yeah. He comes. He he was taken from the King Cole stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but so still really cool. So. But also, Doom's really cool though. Yes, he yeah. is. Um, so why I think so part of it is I think that you know, and we have to give credit to them for 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 doing it. But I think DeCamp and Carter thought they could one up Howard. Oh, really? And, okay. and so, especially DeCamp. DeCamp will rewrite the stories. I mean, and there's a lot of argument in the fandom on that. Uh, yeah, DeCamp likes to rewrite stories and biographies and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> but we also got to give credit to Roy Thomas. Yes. So, and I probably told this story, but Marvel Comics had a election or they had a, a survey or a poll and they said, hey, we're thinking about doing some non-superhero comics. Which yes. one would you rather have us do? Conan, uh, I think it was, oh, um, Lord of the Rings, I think it was Eldrick. And I think the only non-fantasy one was um, Doc Savage. Ah. And Conan just ripped the, it just tore apart. It was like, got more votes than everything else, including Tolkien. Yeah. Wow. And so they reached out to get the, the rights. And um, Stan Lee basically turned over to Roy Thomas and says, you're in charge. <laughs> and Roy Thomas was... Um, Lee's right-hand man at the time. Um, And he had read like some of the Conan stories, but really hadn't gotten into it. Wasn't his thing. But all Mm -hmm. of a sudden now he had to become an expert. So he starts deep diving Howard's writings and putting things so that they can put out in the comics. And that's where he takes uh, Red Sonia with, you know, 
uh, a Y makes Red Sonia with a J. Uh, basically, he took the characters' names and went a different angle. And this is one of the ones that he found. He found that Howard hadn't really used that much. So he mm-hmm. could basically mm-hmm. do whatever he wanted with the character. Uh, and so he's okay. a much more proactive adversary where when Howard wrote him, he was more like Moriarty to Holmes. Yeah. Uh, Where where now he gets, they actually come together. And Mm -hmm. when we do, when he does King Conan, Conan has a son named Khan who actually kills Thothamon. Thothamon dies a couple times, but uh, Prince Khan kills him. So it's a much more Superhero take, where more like you know, uh, uh, Magneto's people meet uh, Professor X type things. It's not this distant chess player anymore. And and I think that that when they did make the movies, they definitely a lot a lot of people in the the eighties that really were into Conan or had an interest yeah. in Conan and would see the movies were really influenced by the Marvel comics. Yeah, and also the Spectacamp uh, stories were in print in that time and circulating around quite a bit. Actually, a lot with more the, available. With those covers. Yes. Yeah. With those Conan covers. <laughs> yes. Well, he was like a, he was just a really interesting character, wasn't he? I mean, I don't yeah, I don't know much Conan beyond like some of the comic stuff I had seen myself. Like I said, my husband's more the fan of Conan of the household, and um, from what I've read, like it's just hit. They're they're kind of ridiculous, silly, but they're also some moral morality tales as well. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I could see the appeal to making him into making the comics because you could showcase more of the like more absurd stuff that's in the books, right? Yeah. Yes, and even though yes, yes, and you could go ways that that Howard couldn't have done forty years before, right? Or because he didn't have the vision, maybe. Or the maturity. True. I love and I also, love I love Robert E. Howard, but when it came to things yeah. like women, he, he had a 14-year-old mentality. Yeah, he and, did, uh, man. <laughs> so, so there were some things that could be where characters could be developed in a way that Howard just did not have the maturity to do. Yeah. Sure. Definitely, or the and, knowledge, and or like the world knowledge or world view to think of. Yeah, yeah. So one uh, thing uh, that I did notice when I was going through, yeah. I was going through uh, the original text of the Phoenix and the Sword, mm-hmm. and I just in my mind always thought Thothamon, that the T and the A were capitalized, but they're not. It's just the T in the word, and it's dash, and it's a mon. 
And Howard has this very, and I love it. Some people don't, has this very come sit down by the fire and I'll tell you a story, sort of storytelling. And so oh, he'll, he'll be, he'll be calling him Thothamon and then he'll call him Thoth, just like using his first name. Mm-hmm. So at least from Howard's writing, even though there's a dash between the first and the last name, mm-hmm. as it, it's almost like Thoth is his first name, but then he didn't capitalize Amon. So I, I don't know. I just, <laughs> when I was rereading it today, I just kind of thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, it is interesting. It is very interesting. And Thoth Amon is one of these characters that other people, I feel like, have taken and made their own or added into their own stories. Mm-hmm. Um, good or bad, how they've done it, uh, because the fact that he is one of those things that's not 100% fleshed out, and there's stuff like that that hasn't mm-hmm. been 100% fleshed out that people go on and on about in Cthulhu Mythos or Cosmic Horror, like uh, Tillinghast Resonators and, I don't know, Brain Cylinders, mm-hmm. like things that just get brought up once and are never mentioned again, or like what's in the Necronomicon, and I feel this is kind of like uh, Thothamon is kind of like that. Like, who is this dude? Well, let's write about him because he's like Stygian, right? And so, like, I feel yeah. like Stygian is like the Stygia is like the uh, like um, Egypt, yeah. And also, on top of that, also like the go to, like, um, when, mm. when something is gonna be kind of bizarre, like, whereas like Lovecraft will go to something being like, um, from Alaska, um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to um, Stygia, like slash Egypt, for his weirdness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alaska, I mean, but true, right? I mean, yep. <laughs> Alaska, real exotic. And, and one thing that maybe I don't know if Howard put in, but he definitely didn't not say, is what that Conan through the comics grows old. Thothamon mm-hmm. doesn't. He always appears the same, even though it's a situation where it's 30 years later and Conan's an old man with child and gray in his beard. Thothamon never grows old. And that's assumed that because of his magic. Oh, yeah. No, I assume it's uh, chronomancy due to his sorcerous ways. I mean, he's Stygian. He can step out of time. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> yeah. What does does Toth mean anything when it's before a name? Because I know, like in Egyptian mythology, like Toth is like the god of wisdom or something like that. Right? I'm sure that's where Howard got it. But like, yeah, what does it mean to have that as part of the opening of your moniker? Like, um, is it a like Ibram or like daughter son or something like that? Is it that kind of? Is it that? Is it used in that way? I don't really. I'm just curious if anybody knows. Well, I'm thinking it was um, the work of a Texan who may not have known a lot about <laughs> Egypt, but Egypt was really popular at the time, or his stack in National Geographics that his mom had had a lot of Egypt in them. These, this is my guess. And that, that, that's what was, I've always assumed. Yeah, I was just curious like, because, you know, like it, I was thinking it was, it was smart because 
if this character being a wizard and whatnot, and then like talk actually being like a god of um of wisdom, like he'd be a very wise wizard, sure, right? Yeah, sure. No, no. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> um, I mean, it's 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 like how uh, Lovecraft has as a thought. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Oh, I thought uh, it was more like how like Egyptian pharaohs were named like Amun Ra. Or something like that. Like, I thought it was that kind of thing. Oh, no, no, no. It's definitely the same kind of thing. It's just, like, Lovecraft's Azathoth is more kind of, like, cosmic, like, I don't know, cosmic in charge of stuff. While um. Thothamon is just some Stygian sorcerer. But it, I don't know. I, I think, like, those guys used it for, like, uh... Uh, like shorthand for like wise sorceress being, or like like someone who has like magical powers, or mm -hmm. someone who's like like almost like putting Alakazam if it was gonna be uh I don't know if if they were doing like a thousand and one Arabian Nights or something like that they would put racist names in it that were I don't know Abdul <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh. yeah, like Abdul Al has read. Oh. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and the interesting thing though is, you know, Fathamon doesn't worship Thoth. No, he 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 worships Set. Yeah. Rude. Yeah. I guess that'd be like being named Jesus and worshiping Satan. Yeah. Almost, maybe. And in fact, that's part of uh, Phoenix and the Sword is he's trying to interfere with like Ibis worshippers, and uh, so that sort of gets the 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 scheme going. But mm -hmm. but and to his credit, I think he's very open about this. Howard cared more things about being cool, sounding cool. Than being accurate. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> That's legit. I mean, it's a storytelling thing. I get it. Yeah. I was yeah, just curious yeah, if there was any deeper meaning, but you know, hey. Yeah. No, I don't really. Because I think it's it's like, here's a cool name. Yeah. And then, like, H.P. Lovecraft is like, I have to use names of people from that neighborhood from that period of time, and I'm going to look it up. Aunties, I'm going to go <coughs> ride my bicycle to the Historical Society to find <coughs> out if the Carters lived in the neighborhood. During, yeah, you know, I mean, the names populated with people from the neighborhood and it's from the providence and everything like that i mean it's like how simpsons references are all about portland <laughs> or old yeah. simpsons references used to be about portland anyway yeah but yeah no no i mean uh it's fun stuff it's fun stuff and and until you start getting into the madame Lobotsky stuff where a lot of the weird racist stuff stems from and, yeah. ugh. Anyway, but but it yeah, is no. it is it is kind of nice that we have sort of a a mastermind criminal. 
Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or I don't even know Chris criminals. I do like word. the you guys saying that you reminded you of he was like the Moriarty. That makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah. But you know he's up to something. If he's around, you know he's up to something. It's 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 not like other uh hyperborean, hyborian, sorcerers, wizards, necromancers where they just like do something mean and then, you know, the no, no, there's there's stuff going on. I think they're both aware of each other at times, but don't interact because people got stuff going on. And uh, Thothabon is too busy for that stuff. Making plans. Staying alive forever. Yes. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, Black Ring is set. Once brought him back. I mean... Conducted sacrifices and placed hideous uh, sorcerer's traps for his fellow acolytes. I mean, not the greatest guy to work with maybe but I don't know uh, I, I, if I bumped into him at a bar and he's like hey man you wouldn't believe this crazy story and I'd be like lay down me dude and he'd like tell some crazy story about I don't know how he would but yeah no I think Thoth that's about it on Thothamon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> told you my knowledge right. was limited <laughs> that's fine that's fine up next, it, it, there have... just really isn't that much out, especially from the source material. Yeah. No, no, not really, not really. Uh, up next, we have Dave talking about the death of Edgar Allan Poe. And after that, we're going to be talking about Sunshine, 2007 Danny Boyle film, Sunshine. All right. Hey, everyone, if you're hearing my voice, then you need to follow the link in the show notes and go to anycubic.com. Pick yourself up a 3D printer for under $150. Get yourself a Cobra Neo. That's right, a Cobra Neo. The Cobra Goes are gone. They were at $120 last month. They're gone this month. I had to change stuff on my site just so people know. Anyway, start 3D printing. Better than an ender, I tell you. Any cubic go, Cobra Neo. Or it's not any cubic go. It's any cubic Cobra Neo. They don't have any more goes. Peace. In Legacy Door, a lurker from space casts a shadow over time. We opened our eyes upon the human world. We found ourselves lying on an especially yielding bed in a room displaying scattered relics of their shallow past tied together by more recently produced items meant to blend with the relics. Typical. A sensitive journalist dreams of unknown lives. It seems like every time I close my eyes, they get stronger. I can't even say the last time I had a normal sleep, let alone a dreamless one. An outspoken lawyer defends the suspect in an unspeakable crime. And that client was Jonathan Strauss held for the murder of his daughter, Abigail, and her companion, Harrison Reese. And a stalwart investigator tries to drag it all into the light. Some of the Reeses and the Strausses have been involved with something that seems to include an obsession with bloodlines and longevity for at least decades. Legacy Door is a weekly cosmic horror mystery podcast. An ensemble of actors tell a story 
Also available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. Available now. This episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between fine loose leaf and common broken leaf tea bags. So, yeah, no, check them out. Check them out. They have quite a bit of pretty awesome tea collections. I'm a huge fan of their white teas. Uh, They have a tea club that you can join, but, you know, they've got green tea, black tea, white tea, oolong, that uh, robios and herbal tea. They've also got teaware. So check out California Tea House in the show notes. I want to tell you all about something. I want to tell you about a guy I know. In a place. This is Dave's Corner of the Podcast. It is awesome. It's gonna go fast. It's not the interview pod. Ha ha. It's me, Farmer Dave. And today, we're continuing in part two in our exploration of the death of Edgar Allan Poe. Before we get too far into this, uh, maybe I should recap uh, what happened in episode one, in case you missed it. Poe died. Okay, maybe a little bit more details. So, Edgar Allan Poe, as I said, died. He was discovered delirious in 1849 in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, He was wearing someone else's clothing and was calling out for someone named Reynolds that we're not really sure who was. The primary tellers of this tale are unreliable narrators. The chief orderly, said things later in his life that contradicted what he said earlier, and in some cases are demonstrably false. He says that he contacted uh, Poe's uh, mother-in-law slash aunt, and more details on that, a little bit more details than that. You can uh, listen to episode one, or I'll just tell you, he married his cousin. Okay. But he says that the orderly said that he reached out to her when, in fact, she reached out to inquire what happened to Poe. And a few other sort of jumbled details that could honestly be memory, he subconsciously was self-grandizing himself, or were straight-out lies. What gets a little bit more complicated is that the man who was Poe's biographer, as well as who inherited the rights to publish uh, Poe's work after he died, and again, this came from Poe's mother-in-law slash aunt, hated him. And literally, Griswold literally lied about him in his biography, which 
kind of, not only does it mess up the investigation, but these stories that he told about Poe kind of cemented his fame after his death. Poe was known in certain circles, uh, but he was not the household name that he was is now. So now we're going to go into some theories that what might have caused Poe's death. Now, everything I talk about here is through secondhand research, going through the writings of academics. None of this I did myself. In fact, I want to give credit where credit is due. And if you really want to research Poe, Smithsonian Magazine has just got these incredible articles. And the one that I used most for my research here is Natasha Gillings' a 2014 article, The Still Mysterious Death of Edgar Allan Poe. Incredible uh, article, so I'm going to basically paraphrase what she wrote, and then I'm going to give my comments and my feelings on it. But definitely uh, an incredible article I would definitely recommend to anyone who wants to know more about the subject. So theory one is he got beat up. And basically, it's a possibility that he apparently saw friends. And if you listen to part one, the story that we have in Poe about Poe in our mind, where he was an alcoholic, is made up. It's made up by Griswold, his biographer, who I have mentioned hated him. And we go more into part one, but that, you know, Poe basically wrote bad reviews about his book of poetry after Griswold had paid him, which that was actually, you paid credits back then, but also submitted poems. And so when Poe, who was known as a literary critic at the time, uh, right under the fact that he was a poet, but a Above the fact that he wrote fiction and spooky weird fiction was incensed. So he goes off on how Poe was an alcoholic. Well, Poe may have had a drinking problem, but by the time he died, his body reacted so badly to alcohol it would make him sick. And on the day before he was found nearly beaten to death, he may have had drinks with friends. This may have caused him to have a reaction which caused him to stumble mindlessly through Baltimore where he was jumped and beat up. Now this isn't actually a very unlikely scenario. The streets of Baltimore, if you weren't careful in 1849, were very dangerous. And, like I said, Poe was well-known in certain circles, but if he was attacked, his assailants, especially if they were lower income, would not have recognized him straight out. So it's very possible that they attacked him and hoped to, to mug him. Um, the main problem with this theory is, though it is very plausible, there's no real solid evidence towards it. And the other thing is 
it's kind of a reaction against it is this mentality that famous people, things don't happen to them. Terrible things don't happen to them without a reason. It's why so many people do not believe that Kennedy was assassinated by a lone gunman. Why they, when investigating Mia Zapata's death, it was seen as, you know, it, it just, until they caught the guy, no one believed it. she was in the wrong place at the wrong time, where people refused to believe that a life of drugs and not taking care of his body ended Elvis on the toilet. And I hate to put it that way, but a lot of people just can't accept that Elvis had died because, you know, dying on a toilet is not what happens to famous people. So it's a plausible explanation, but other than the fact that it could have happened, there's really no evidence towards it. Now, the evidence or the possible theory that a lot of people I know and a lot of family members I know believe that he was a victim of cooping. Now, cooping is an old slang word that basically means to get someone drunk and let them not realize that you're doing it. And cooping started out as an attempt by recruiters to meet draft quotas. They would get somebody drunk and then in their drunken state, have them sign up for the military, and the next thing they knew, they were off in, in the army. Uh, in this case, though, not military service, but cooping was to get people drunk on election day and then have them go into the po different polls, more than one, and vote. Uh, and of course, you know, Poe was discovered on an election day. There's also this fact that he was discovered in someone else's clothing. And it's theorized that, well, maybe that's because he was dressed up in different clothing and they ran him through a different poll to elect someone. Now, cooping did happen. It happened, and, you know, he was discovered on, on an election day. So it is possible, especially if they forced him to drink alcohol and his body had this terrible re reaction because the person who, who did this didn't know of, of his body's aversion to alcohol. I have a lot of family members who believe this story. And it's a good story. The fact that he was discovered on election day and that this is an event that happened, cooping was something that happened, uh, is seen by many of my family as being evident. But again, it doesn't quite meet the burden of proof. And none of these theories will. I'll tell you what I believe as we go on, but the truth is anyone who tells you that they know for a fact that, you know, how Poe died, they're either mistaken or they're time travelers and went back and saw it because no one, no one does know. So another theory is he died of alcohol poisoning. And like I said, he did not drink a lot, if anything, during that stage of his life because of his 
body would have these violent reactions to it. Now, it is possible that these reactions made things worse. But the main force behind this theory that Poe died of alcohol poisoning, which was pretty much what I was taught well into college, is, of course, Rufus Griswold, his autobiographer, who, say it along with me, hated Poe. So, again, it's a possibility. It may even be a more likelihood because his body couldn't tolerate alcohol in this stage of life. But, again, the source of this claim is from a man who was intentionally trying to destroy Poe's reputation. Next theory, and this comes from Albert Donnelly, who was this, you know, history enthusiast, but public health uh, researcher, who felt that Poe's, the way that Poe was found could be a reaction to the heavy metals that, and carbon monoxide that was released in the, the gas lamps at the time. Uh, none of that was, I mean, any test to try to prove that was inconclusive, so it's very unlikely. Uh, again, yes, that's a possibility, but none of the evidence really backs that up. And in most cases, that theory is discredited now. So the next theory is, when I first read this, oh, I don't know, 20 years ago, um, was the first sort of challenge, because I hadn't known about uh, about you know Poe's doctored biography. Uh, I didn't, this was the first challenge I had ever read to the official, he died of alcohol poisoning death. And that, that was that he had rabies. And his symptoms seemed to line up with rabies. Rabid raccoons were all over it, and a health issue in Baltimore at this time. Now, there's a couple of things that make it lead like this probably didn't happen. One is, you know, rabies is called hydrophobia, that victims basically develop this massive aversion or hatred towards water, and Poe was drinking water up to the time he always found dead, as well as there was no real evidence, and the body had decomposed, but there was no real evidence of bite marks that could be found. So we can't eliminate this as a cause of his death, but the evidence really isn't strong in this case. I, I think that rabies was floated as an idea because it's somewhere between just random fate and, you know, impossible. Uh, again, there's just no, there's not enough proof to point it that way. Next theory is that Poe had a brain tumor. And his symptoms before his death, his behavior, they add up consistently with how a person would react with a brain tumor. But also, uh, when, you know, after he died, uh, his body was being moved and it was dropped and, you know, came out of the casket. And there, 
at least one person reported to be this sort of black, uh, icky substance in his skull, which again would be consistent with a brain tumor. I think that this is probably the theory that I lean to the most, but again, it it can't be proved. Um, the brain, the tumor, whatever it was that seemed to be outlast the rest of his brain, has since been discarded or disposed, and so it can't be tested. It's a possibility. Um, I tend to favor of all the theories this one but again it's just not a hundred percent provable next theory is that he died of the flu which again is not that far fetched a lot of people they were all stuck together in baltimore a lot of people died of the flu during this time but we just don't have the evidence to conclude that that's what what you know Poe had or reject it a hundred percent out we just it's a possibility we have nothing else the next is that Poe was murdered and Poe had like I said he was a widower in that his cousin sister and possibly the inspiration for the brilliant poem Annabelle Lee uh, died relatively young. I think he was in his you know, late teens, early 20s when, when she died and they were married before that. And so he was going to remarry. And the theory is that the surviving members of, the, of that family that he was going to remarry into... Uh, the brothers, especially of the sister, just hated the idea of their sister being associated with Poe, and they basically hunted him down and killed him. <coughs> Again, it's possible. Uh, I think a lot of this came out with the um, Griswold autobiography, or a biography, which just had. Oh, Poe is this terrible, terrible person, but I don't think there's evidence. It makes it a more interesting story, but there's not any more evidence for that than the rest of the possibilities. So, realistically, I think it is possible that we would never know how, what really happened to Poe, and why he ended up in the morgue on that faithful day, um, other than if maybe new evidence will come. Until then, uh, this is Farmer Dave, and I'm going to turn this over to uh, maybe a more pleasant subject, whatever I and DB and Gretchen are talking about. Um, moving on to the next part, just to remind everyone, if you like what you're hearing, like this episode, share it with people, subscribe to the podcast, find us on Facebook, we're under People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, we're on Twitter, I don't really check Twitter, so it's just kind of the automatic feed if you just want to listen to us on Twitter for some reason, 
You can find us on any place, any podcatchers that are out there. Of course, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, the YouTube, where this episode will be. And, uh, yeah. Hey, everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Clary. Clary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Clary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins, they've got saxophones, trumpets, drums, they've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20 watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80. Guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks, check out the show notes. Get a Glary. This part of the show doesn't have a theme song. This part of the show doesn't have a theme song. Dave and DB and Gretchen go to the movies. Hopefully next week we'll have a real theme song. Hey everyone, we are back. And we're here to talk about one of my least favorite things of all time. Sunshine. And a movie (laughs) named after it. Danny Boyle. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. No offense. I, I, hey, I, Dan, if you want to be on the show, we're just kidding. Yeah, Danny Boyle, if you want to come on the show, uh, you know, it's totally cool. Um, but no, no. Uh, so, as, so I have as, a question for you. Yeah. Because you hadn't seen it before, right? No. Were you like two thirds of the movie and saying, why did David pick this movie? Yeah, and I kept falling asleep around that point. Oh, okay. I've watched the movie twice, and I don't remember the ending. I kept falling asleep. So, <laughs> so some people will tell you. In fact, there's a very famous person. I'm going to quote. Yeah. That you saw the best parts. The, the third. The third is when it becomes a horror movie, and that's oh. there's an argument. It does not transfer well to horror. I mean, from science fiction to horror. Yeah, no, it feels like Alien without Monsters. Like, what I watched, it felt like Alien without Monsters. It felt like Doss Boot at the sun. It, 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 um, at times, it reminded me of, of, of uh, Dark Star. And then I'm like, this is as pointless as Dark Star. And there's a character named Pinbacker. And there's just, like, things about this movie that it's just like, okay, it's, it's a bunch of different young attractive people go into the moon it's and 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 it's like i start it's 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 action packed but then i start getting bored and i fall asleep okay i really like so, this movie good i like the first first chunk that i saw that i like the first and the half second half of the chunk that i saw but i never got to the third part but i'll quit talking david I see why you picked it. Um, there's a very Lovecraftian element to it, especially when you have like the death of Kanata when he's the mm. the captain of the ship and he's um, well. Spoilers, everybody! This is, film came out in 2007. <laughs> my apologies. Yeah. 
Spoiler alert! The death of Kanata. Yes. Yeah, like uh, when the this the psychiatrist is asking him what does he see, Sparrow? it becomes this beautiful, like wash surreal um, wave of um, like immolation fire, mm -hmm. and then you have like the score from the band Underground happening. It's incredible. I love this movie. Yes, thank cool. you. And and so so there is people have said that that this is sun worship. Okay. That, that, that their deity is the sun. But I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it even more Lovecraftian. Sure. What if instead of the sun, it's as a thought? Absolutely. Yeah. No. It's Definitely. just as is this big giant core of nuclear energy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is basically what the sun is, yeah, and that yeah. they're going back to bring this god back to life, because if Azathoth changes any, if he wakes up, the entire universe is rewritten. The sun, you know, goes down several degrees, Earth freezes. So I, yeah. I, I think, I think in ways. This is cosmic horror, and that the universe doesn't care. The sun doesn't care. It you know? reminds me of a Dunsanian story that I never remember the name of, where it's about that if if the god wakes up, the world will stop existing. But, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I thought this movie also had like some elements that kind of reminded me of the movie um, Solaris. Don't you feel? Oh yeah. Absolutely. And like you know like. Like a 2001 Space Odyssey, things like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like those are some vibes I got um, because the, of how quiet the horror was, mm -hmm. and that I mean, every once in a while, it's nice to have like this kind of horror film in in your like repertoire because um, I think it's it it gives these beautiful moments and it is these very subtle shades of horror now. Don't get me wrong. I think that like how we ended, how we killed some of the character, the cast. I was like, man, that kind of stupid and like lame. <laughs> but like I, I thought that the, I mean, again, spoiler alerts, everybody. Um, yeah. Like Michelle Yale's character died stupidly. Benedict Wong's character died stupidly. Don't you think? Yes, and 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 that's kind of so. so... My thought is that the first two thirds of the movie mm -hmm. is science fiction, and oh, I would yeah. even say great science fiction up there with Alien in two thousand and one. Maybe not that level, but but that type of movie. And the last third becomes a slasher movie. Yeah. And yeah. and and when I rewatch it, so so when I first watched it. I'd gotten a, a disc. I would buy like three used discs disc from Blockbuster for 10 bucks or something, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I didn't understand when I first watched it, I thought it was skipping. I thought that stupid cheap disc I bought. Oh, no. no. It's not skipping. It's the effect of the gravity of the sun that is, and this is sort of, again, where I think the Azathoth, it's changing reality. The, okay. the, the that so when the universe starts changing, uh, when Rose Byrne, you know, starts seeing her hand moving in different paces, it's yes. because of 
the effect of gravity. And the other part, when they go into Icarus One, yeah, and you start seeing there's real quick flashes of the crew and mm-hmm. of this crew's future. That was supposed to be caused by the gravity of the sun warping reality. Mm. But the first time I thought it was, oh, that stupid disc I bought. Oh, that's <laughs> I funny. Gotta, I gotta clean it again. <laughs> that's funny. No, I I, yeah. I really like this film. That's a good pick, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. For a long time, a long time, I didn't understand and put in words what I thought about this movie. So there's this guy who knows just a little tiny bit about movies and a little about, about words. Um, he worked at a, uh, he worked at a, uh, you know, a DVD store. Um, his name is Quentin Tarantino. Sure. And so he owns a theater and he ran this movie and he put a lot of what I, for at least at the beginning, that this is this amazing first two acts yes but it doesn't quite round the corner on the third act yeah and and, and i think that's sort of and, and i think i'm actually going to maybe talk a little bit about this in our uh, horror and science fiction panel is when it stops it can be a scary science fiction movie but when it's it doesn't quite jump from horror i mean from science fiction to horror yeah um and you know, and and this was a decision by the director and by the writer. It wasn't pushed on them by studios. It was mm-hmm. this is where we want the movie to go, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I, I really think that it's when it stops being science fiction and becomes just plain horror, it's not as effective. But I watched it again. And I enjoyed it a lot more, even though I knew how it would end. And, and we talked about, you know, spoilers. There are so many hidden spoilers in that movie that, you know, if you pay attention, you should know how everybody's going to die. You know, when Mace drops his hand into the to grab uh, the wrench from the coolant and nearly freezes his hand off. And oh, yeah. So. But what about Michelle Yao? She gets stabbed in the back. Yeah, but you, you you do see that she gets distracted so much by the plants. Yeah, that, that I kind of liked so... her character a lot. I mean, I I thought that she was an interesting character. Danny Boyle basically went to her and said, "I'll give you any part." Oh, really? Just work with me. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I, I don't care, and, and she apparently picked that part. Oh, nice. Now, what we don't see though is that there's like these huge backstories for and for all the characters. Okay. So Harvey, the, 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 the second in command, he, you know, he comes off kind of as a coward, but in this huge backstory, you know, it's just that after 16 months, he is missing his wife and child so much that they become his world and returning Mm -hmm. to them is more important than saving the world. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the Benedict Juan character is like this super genius who uh, basically hacked all the banks and destroyed 12% of the uh, world's economy by mm-hmm. uh, hacking the banks and, as a child. And so they put him in NASA. And because he was such this math prodigy, that's why he ticks it so hard 
when he doesn't set the shields right. And that's the scary part to me. The entire world could be destroyed if one guy does a math problem wrong. Yeah. I could see that being the the weight of the world, literally. And uh, um, Cassie and Mace were once a couple. Hmm. And they had broken off. They had a brief relationship. And that's why Mace has so much animosity towards Kappa because he sees him becoming close. Oh, I see. Mm. That, some of that stuff feels like it should be part of the story instead of people just being jerks to each other or anyway. <laughs> and That's feel why like you see that fighting have... between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, but it, uh, um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, uh, and and obviously, Icarus is part of it. It's all ancient mythology, but the the part where Captain America, you know, first yeah. of all, he sort of wigs out and starts a fight. Yeah. And then he signifies he's back on plan by cutting his hair. That's yeah. always reminded me of the story of Inkadu, where he's this sort of beast man, and then he becomes human and, and cuts his hair. Oh. Maybe I'm reading. Maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it. That's pretty cool. I mean, people do like to fit a lot of different mythology into these space movies. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the deal with the um, psychiatrist? Oh. So I think the way he was presented is that he almost becomes a cultist. That's kind of what I was thinking. That he and the captain and Pinbacker are all different degrees of becoming this cultist for the, you know, sun worshiper. Yeah, because um, they're like sitting in there in the room and like unfiltering as, as much as they can possibly stand. It makes it's really interesting. I like that part. But when I rewatched it, I noticed something. I had assumed that Pinbacker's crew basically mm-hmm. killed themselves, right? Yeah. But look at the way their bodies are posed. The exact same way he posed Michelle Yeoh's body. Oh. So I think that that's to imply. Maybe not. Maybe I'm reading too much. He killed them, and then he gave them to his, his god. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I could yeah. see that. And, and it's never spelled out. I mean, it's definitely your miles uh, may vary. But yeah, yeah, when I was watching it, I, I think they deliberately, because afterwards, and, and you're you're right that, you know, she gets stabbed in the back. It's kind of, but the fact that he deliberately poses her afterwards. Yeah. I think it's symbolic. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I didn't, I did not notice that. Yeah, and I didn't notice it until I, I rewatched it uh, again this morning, and I, oh, okay, but yeah, I, I think that um, I I think that it wasn't his crew giving up. I think he killed his crew. Hmm. Interesting. Um, didn't as I didn't see the end of it, I keep thinking, or I kept thinking, um, that like I half awake dreamed, like the crew, or like. It was uh, more of kind of like a um, the temple ending, but and that's what I was expecting to happen. But 
I fell asleep before. I thought it was going to be like H.P. Lovecraft's The Temple, where the submarine crew is slowly dying, and there's only one guy left at the end who then gets out and then goes to the temple. Um, but I so think spoilers. because of the fact that I yeah yeah so so at the end. I mean, it it, it 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 makes it very clear that they're not going to make it back. Yeah. And, and Pinbacker is on the Icarus 2, and he's, he's killing people, uh, and it is just him and Casey and, and Kappa as they try okay. to reignite the sun. Mm-hmm. And right before the bomb goes off, they are reality is so warped by the gravity of the sun mm-hmm. that everything slowly changes and Kappa is literally on the balance of reality as oh. he sees the universe in its true state as you know the sun's reigniting is burning things but because gra- uh, gravity is literally warping time it's in slow motion and he becomes like the god he is creating oh okay but up till that yeah the last act is a slasher in space movie okay and then hmm. they, and then they added the, the very end because audience didn't seem to know what's going on it uh-huh. is Kappa's unmentioned sister looks up for, and with her kids and they're in Sydney Harbor covered with snow and the sun starts getting brighter. Oh, okay. Hey, <laughs> I guess you gotta, you gotta spell it out sometimes. One of the, a few of the cool things I thought about this, besides like, uh, besides what I was talking about earlier, that has just minor things about the film or like, I thought the musical score was amazing because like it was underground at like their best time. Like they do. Yeah. The, um, the sound effect of the Icarus's um, like cry, like um, that, um, that warble is just Mm -hmm. super cool. Yeah. Um, And I also liked the sets. I know that a lot of it was CGI, but there were some intermixed pieces that they did. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that part of Michelle Yao's um, like um, garden area, some of that was actually like, a manufactured set, but then they have like yeah. um, some CGI stuff is happening. But what's good about this is like the CGI isn't so obnoxious that you're like, that it's glaringly uncanny Valley. And I think yeah. that mm-hmm. this is That's, a good example yeah. of like, well, use, well, use CGI. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Just to give it I some agree. props. Uh, <laughs> just, yeah, no, no, no. It does. It, I like the look of the movie. CGI wasn't way overdone. I never was like, oh, man, this looks like something that I would make fun of. But, yeah, no. An incredible cast. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Mark Strong always plays great bad guys. Yes, he does. There's that one guy who I used to get confused with, Jared Leto. But... I can't Rachel remember Mug. his name. Killian oh, Murphy? He's, yeah, he's like one of those young-faced guys. I just kind of like that. 
Get out of here, you young-faced guy. <laughs> no. Rose Byrne, for she me, has right. always had the sad face girl. Like, in everything that oh, she's yeah. in, she seems to... Even, like, the stuff where she's not sad, she has a kind of a... Just the way her appearance is, she has kind of a um, a downturn expression. Yeah. yeah, and and I think she is sort of, you know, where... Forgettable in this, to me. She's the heart. <laughs> she's the heart of the and that's sad because I mean, honestly, for me, I didn't recognize her as being like as being the heart of the crew. Um, I just kind of was like, yeah, she's forgettable. Yeah, yeah. I saw. Her, I like I said in the part where they decided they're gonna uh, kill Trey. Yeah. Was that she's condemning the rest of the world, or possibly, and she won't vote. She won't yeah. pick that. And and the same thing. And what I do appreciate, it's hinted, mm -hmm. but there's no romance. I mean, it's hinted. The backstory has a romance with Mace, but they were going to have a, a a sex scene with her and Kappa. And I appreciate mm -hmm. the, the. I think it's I think it works better without it. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to see that. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Ah, it's it's nice. This is a weird tangent. It's nice that pornography is now available to everyone thanks to the internet. And they don't have to shove sex scenes into movies where they don't belong to add titillation. I mean, I haven't had to see some weird topless scene in a sci-fi movie that didn't fit for some time. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not watching low-quality sci-fi films. And they only really see it in horror movies when it's like kind of paying homage to older horror movies, but it's 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 something that's kind of nice about I don't know in whatever way society's going. It's like I don't feel like it's like cleaning up science fiction. It's like we don't need that right now. Come on, I'll get that stuff in my own time. I want to watch science fiction. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I got that the characters cared for each other, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. they were important to each other. You yeah. know, she comes to him when he's having a nightmare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Knows what the nightmare is about. Yeah. It can be this emotional, spiritual connection. It doesn't have to be physical. Agreed. No, no. And I, I feel like Alien does, like, showing people are connected well with like a scene of a bunch of people sitting around a dinner table together or and they had a sex scene out of that too yeah what's that there was originally a sex scene between dallas and ripley oh geez hopefully and not they on the table they, they they made the right decision they cut it out yeah they, they yeah. didn't film it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no no and you know, it's like alien, you'd get like two, three people walking down the hall complaining about stuff. And you get an idea of who's connected to who, who's who's willing to be more casual around who and stuff like that. And I feel like this movie did that well in some parts, but other parts it just kind of like is like I, I could have used that information was mm -hmm. with who just so I could know why it's it's like, did they know that? Did they read it? <laughs> 
but yeah, I don't want to say the acting was kind of boring and stiff sometimes, but it was like, I, I assumed it had a little bit to do with maybe the CGI or I don't know, but yeah, so, Sunshine's a good movie. I liked it. So, I tell you, there's a bunch of different personalities. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, one thing that, that Boyle did do, I think, yeah. is that the voice of Icarus AI was yeah. played by uh, Shipo Chung. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She was on state on set, so oh. she there saying the words. Most people, had, most movies, they'll just record and cut and paste, but she was on there saying the words. So there was much more of a, a connection. It really was sort of this connection. Well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think Boyle awesome. made a right move doing that. No, that's a really good idea. I was like, oh, I remember hearing about some movie where they did that, and I'm like, I think it might have been this movie. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. read no, something that's really cool about this. That the plot as a is this actually um, is this true? Did I miss this in the beginning of the film that it's actually not the sun is not dying in the normal sense, and that it's actually um, infected with a cue ball, um, a super symmetric nucleus left over from the Big Bang that's disrupting in the normal matter. Um, it's a theoretical particle that scientists at CERN are currently trying to confirm and that one of the many contributions of scientific advisor to this film is the bomb is meant to blast the cue ball to constituent parts and then naturally decay, allowing the sun to return to normal. Is so that, that part of the I beginning? That, the, the scientific advisor is Brian Cox. Yeah, I knew mm-hmm. that, which yeah. is fantastic. I mean, weirdly. Um, no, I, that makes more sense because all this whole time I was thinking, I don't care how much fusible material you have there. It's not so that makes that makes more sense actually. So, but I it, it obviously <laughs> it, it doesn't out explain it out in the movie. But and that yes, also that stupid idea makes more sense than the stupid idea that I thought they were trying to convey. <laughs> yes, and, and it also makes more sense why the physicist is so important. Mm-hmm. Why they've yeah. got to keep Kappa to the end is because he might have to make corrections uh, when they they encounter it. So, so no, I didn't know that, but I, I completely. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, it was um, part of a yeah. trivia about the movie section I was reading, and I just thought it was really interesting. But I don't remember like there being any discussion about this but they kind of glossed over the very beginning yeah yeah and and so (laughs) and some of that stuff i think a lot of kappa's narratives i know the narrative at the end was added i think a lot of that may have been cut up Mm, mm. okay that was interesting though cue ball Yeah. yeah I feel like there was a lot that I was supposed to infer that I didn't infer at all. <laughs> yeah. But okay. All right. Well, two thirds of the movie were really good. Don't know about the last half, but I assume it was fun. Uh, I'm not sure yeah. I would use word fun. Okay. Well, interesting at least. <laughs> it has one of those endings that makes you go, hmm. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do we got going on next week, Dave? Do you know? Do you have those? Uh... I am not aware. I know. Oh, you know. 
I got it up. I always I'm I made a list this time because I was last last seat last season I was a little confused because I was just getting used to the swing of things. But oh, next yeah, week sure. is the time clock or time clock from whatever Cthulhu Mythos aspect that is, mm-hmm. and the movie The Vampire Lovers. Oh, cool! All right, very cool. Whose pick is The Vampire Lovers? Oh, I'm sure. Or is it DB? Yeah. Is that DB? That's me. Right on, right on. All right, DB's pick next week. All right, so we'll do that, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you all for coming and checking out People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I've been DB Spitzer, along with Gretchen Brooks and David Heath, Ralph the Rooster, and uh, the next-door neighbor's dog, Porter, I believe his name is. So, yeah, (laughs) thank you again, everyone. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram. YouTube and wherever you find podcasts and check out those AnyCubic uh, printers. Go to pgttcm.com. We got a panel right up on the top. You can click it. Have a have an AnyCubic printer that self levels uh, eight by eight inches of printable space and have it to your door in 3.5 business days. All right. Thank you again so much. And thank you to our sponsors who you will hear throughout the show. And if you saw me at uh, Rose City Comic Con or Gretchen or Dave, hopefully you said hello and we'll mention you next week. Have a good one, everyone. Bye. See you or have seen you there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Bye. That was a good episode. Yeah, that was fun. Um, Thanks again for skipping last week for me um, for the birthday. No problem. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah, thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah. 47. That's weird. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, well I'll, I'll see you guys on Sunday. Yes. That'll be fun. I'll probably see you all on Saturday. I'm, I'm planning on wandering around there. My brother is coming to town, so going to oh, hang nice. out with him. He wants to get um some, like, uh, there's a comic book artist that he wants to see. Like, I think his name is Adam Scott. Okay. Does that sound right? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not super knowledgeable about that. But yeah, yeah. I, Adam I Scott know. Glancy. No, not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you two have a good one, and I'll talk to you this weekend. All right. All right. See you this Take weekend. Care. All right. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>